0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Real Rescue, powered by Vertical Helicast. This episode is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Now we are back for part two of our conversation with Bobby O'Donnell. So let's kick the tires and light the fires. Let's go. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. You know, if they're still here with us, then they're going to enjoy the next part of the stories because I'm going to ask about it. See, we talked about it earlier. Haiti. You went to Haiti. Mm -hmm. What the? I did. What the heck is in Haiti? Yeah. What, how and why did that even come up? Because uh, let me throw this out there: it was air ambulance. You're going in there to help people more.
1: Haiti air ambulance man. If uh, any, um, if you have, I'm sure you do, uh, flight paramedics or flight nurses that listen to your show. If you have two two years of flight experience, uh, you are eligible to go down and volunteer. It is an amazing organization. What they're doing down there. Uh, the only air medical asset in the country, uh, all nonprofit. Um, it's a Haiti is the by uh, UNICEF the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. There's very poor infrastructure and little access to healthcare. Uh, talk about a place where flying makes a difference. That's probably the top top of the list. It's a uh, it was a empowering special experience, and I had but a, a fraction of a snapshot into what the the guys and girls down there are doing every day.
0: Okay, so let's start with this. How did you find out about it?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, as as most of uh, things that happened in my life, Google. (laughs) Started with Google. GTS, Google that shit. Yeah, that was my first, uh, when I trained for my first marathon, I like Googled, I'm like marathon training plan. And then I was looking at it and then I like backspace, I was like marathon training plan beginner. (laughs) And that that's it. that's how i turned my first marathon I just, i'm like far Gump, and then i just kept running
0: you know all
1: right um, <laughs> no, so there was um one of the flight oh nurses gosh. that i worked with at dartmouth He'd previously it's like the, always the six degrees of separation type of deal he previously flew for duke and a lot of the programs down south are more familiar with haiti air ambulance and send people down to volunteer uh, and he was like hey you're you know you're Travel a lot and like doing this kind of stuff. Have you ever heard of this organization? So I started Googling it and just got totally, totally sucked in uh, by the message, the mission and and everything they're doing. So reached out through their volunteer coordinator, who's a, a flight paramedic with Maryland State Police and got to work on paperwork, looked at when I'd be able to get down. I, at first I was like, I'll go down in July. I'm a, I'm a cold weather boy. I, I love, love these you know mountains in New Hampshire in the wintertime. I'm like I am not going to Haiti in July. I had like a week in July that I go, I'm like, you got, you got to fall, like later in the fall. <laughs> I'm like, you're <laughs> like a dick, right? Cause <laughs> I'm just like, I'm gonna go when this is convenient for me and my, yeah, my yeah. poor climatization. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I actually, I got back like a week ago and I uh, went down there for a week and talk about meaningful medicine that's the the place to go i i can't emphasize enough uh how much good they're doing there and uh probably a place with limited resources limited access there's only a handful of ct scanners in that whole country there's no cardiac cath lab no interventional radi- uh, radiology so it's like if you have a stroke or a STEMI, you get the medicine and then you either die or you don't uh, and that's it um, oh
0: my gosh it's a
1: yep it's uh largely port au prince area is largely controlled by gangs at this one is about 90 percent gang controlled at the moment so it's not the safest place to be at the moment the family was very happy that i came back um but hopefully there's you know things start to get settled a little bit because it's a beautiful country and talk about people that are just so appreciative for help and have such a positive outlook on life despite being in an awful situation
0: Damn, man. Oh, all right. So let's, let's talk a couple scenarios that you might've been called out to. Are you doing scene work? Mm -hmm. Like landing at the scene of a, whatever, a motor vehicle crash or, or is it hospital or is
1: it? In in a way it's all scene work. Like I'll I'll send you a picture of some of the LZs. Um, Like it, there's very little healthcare outside of major areas. Um, so it's a lot of like clinic work. There's an awesome doctor and his wife that are, are from Kansas that volunteer in one of the remote part of the countries. And they've been going there and living there for 20 years um, and have some capabilities to diagnose, like they have all, ultrasound and some point of care labs, stuff like that, uh, and, and just do so much um, for this community. But a lot of times too, the family is responsible from getting the patient from whatever clinic or wherever to you at the scene. Um, so you're oftentimes, most of the LZs are like soccer fields um, and not like what you'd think of like in an American soccer field. Like, I, like some of the, like, I didn't know how mountainous Haiti was. It was so beautiful. Like some of the high peaks are over 8,000 feet. And so you'll be oh, flying wow. up to these soccer fields. Yeah. So like some are LZs, like you're flying from sea level up to four or 5,000 feet and landing at this, like in this like tiny, like postage stamp field. Um, With these, you know, wooden goalposts and all this talk about scene management, like it's, if you're landing in a place where they haven't landed in a while, or they've never landed at before, you're in a 407. So you have the two minute shutdown. So it's like you're landing popping doors and making sure that people don't walk into the rotor disk or into the tail rotor. Because you'll oh, wow. have within a couple of minutes. I, I'm not not joking. They had told me that during like the initial orientation, you'll have like three, four hundred people like suddenly like coming out and surrounding the helicopter. Um, so it was just a cr- compared to American Hems and what we're used to. Like, any yeah, scene man. work in Hems like if we're landing on ninety three or like any of the major highways, like there are like eighteen fire trucks and stadies everywhere. <laughs> like, totally. There's no one getting near you. Yeah, um, I know, but. So there, you know, you you get your mix of trauma, right? Um one of the interesting things though is that there's very limited access to ventilators, uh, even at the receiving hospitals. So uh, you have to be really careful and find out whether or not you can put an advanced airway in any of so, these. Like we had a motorcycle trauma that needed to be intubated. And I'm like, Well, if you intubate him, the hospital can't take him. So and he was starting oh, to be combative geez. from a closed head starting to be combative from a closed head injury. So I'm like, I'm not putting this guy in a four or seven without sedating him. You're kinda of in this weird position and my partner who is very awesome, who's a great, great nurse. She's like, you we just have to be careful because the population as a whole is very opioid naive. So even like this is a young, healthy twenty year old kid you like wouldn't even think twice about, you know, giving fifty, hundred mics of fentanyl. We have twenty five mics of fentanyl and he was out cold, you're we bagging him <laughs> for, for like the oh my next gosh. and for like twenty plus minutes. Like it wasn't like he just kinda of came out of it. Um, wow. but that was kind of a normal a normal thing. Um and some of the more interesting things medically were just different diseases and pathology that are in the paramedic textbook or medical school textbooks that, you know, there's like a four sentence paragraph and they're like, this is what this is. This is what it looks like. You'll never yeah, yeah. see it, yeah, and they, yeah. but they're usually just seeing it all the time. And um, we had a a little a little kiddo with really advanced diphtheria, which was really interesting medically. And the person I was working with that day is a nurse practitioner from america who's been, but he's been working with haiti air ambulance for seven eight years plus and it goes down there like three weeks at a time it's always going down there and it's on staff and it's the clinical educator super super smart guy and i'm glad i was with him because he was like all right well you know we, you get the flight request he's like we need to have security because we can't really like leave the base it's not safe for us to go into port-au-prince so like you're always traveling under you know and armored vehicles with security when you're trying to go between crew house and um, in the base and you were we would never go into the hospital in the city like you're always handing them off to like really just a bls crew despite whatever interventions and just handing them off to get into the hospitals because it wasn't safe for us to go into the hospitals but so he was like yeah we need to get security to go in the hospital to get to pick up the diphtheria antitoxin Cause it's this really progressed form and they're going to bring that back. But we're going to do this other flight in the meantime. while they do that? You were just flying all day and it's VFR day only. So in this time of year, is a short days, so you're just like maximizing time and logistics because you're it. You're it. So here it goes, we get this antitoxin. He's like explaining to me, how you do like the intradermal sensitivity test and how we're going to dose it and you know, how you do all this, you know, all this nerd stuff. You know but i' I'm, I'm loving it. I'm like, this is crazy, this is so cool um and i we got got this kid and we get him over to the helicopter, I'm like this kid is sick, and I'm so thankful that we didn't have to intubate him because it would have been a horrible, horrible airway like, it was the it was the textbook clinical presentation with the gross thick gray mucusy secretions, everything's oh, in flame and are you doing the thing and so it's all it's a couple injections. How you do it and just because of where he was sitting in the helicopter so you do the intradermal sensitivity you have to wait 15 minutes to make sure it don't react so we're already in flight by the time you are like all right no reaction so he does the first two and because how small he was like all right we have to do the these next two in in his legs and I'm just like thinking to myself, "The whole I'm so like selfish. I'm 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 an asshole, man. I'm like there is no other time in my career I'll ever be able to give diphtheria antitoxin. I'm like, dude, when we land, can I actually give those last two <laughs> injections? Because, like, what a what an experience. And he was awesome. He's just super super smart nurse practitioner and really skilled guy. And he's like, oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I got to give diphtheria antitoxin, which I never thought that I'd be able to, wow. to do, but um But just these crazy flights, like every every flight matters there, and it's not just that they're doing all sort of. Like, while I was there, there was um, a cholera outbreak at one of the villages, so you're just loading up the four hundred seven with IV supplies and buckets and antibiotics and all this stuff, and flying it out to this village. And it's just stuff that really matters. And it, I'm not saying what we do at MedFlight doesn't matter. Obviously, hem's yeah, yeah. everywhere matters. Intervention, yeah. right? All, all the stuff you know that that you say. Um, but you know, it just like working on an ambulance, like you do your BS calls, everyone thinks the helicopter is sexy. Like we do BS calls at MedFlight. I, I promise you that, <laughs> but every, every, every flight there matters and means something and is impacting human life. And, um, the people, um, that work there day to day and go and volunteer volunteer work in administration. Um, I just can't say enough about the compassion and dedication to the mission There, it's, uh, it's incredible. And if you have the skill set and credentials to go volunteer, I highly encourage that.
0: Oh, wow. That's incredible. Out of curiosity with your, when, when the, the, you said the little community had the, uh, what was it? The collier outbreak?
1: Your cholera, cholera outbreak? Cholera.
0: Cholera. Yeah. Cholera, Sorry. Cholera outbreak. Did, was it you guys that's like staying on scene for an extended amount of time to give IVs and, or is that drop medication, no. drop IVs <laughs> off and beep, beep?
1: Drop, drop and beat feet, and like it. Was, part of it too was like they could get way more supplies in the helicopter without the weight of additional crew. So it was literally it was the pilot going and just dropping oh, all this wow. stuff. Yeah, but they had they were so crazy I, I I you know surprisingly I don't have a lot of experience with cholera and yeah yeah but, um, <laughs> right they they were like oh there's this cholera I'm like oh yeah of course there you know. yeah. um, so well what, what what really struck me. Is that um when that came in, there were since it's vFR day only like calls stack overnight, and you have to like pick then the comms do like it's just such a good team there man like they're they're amazing, but they'll look at all this stuff and what you know where these calls are in the country and what resources are needed, and you know the time sensitivity of certain stuff, and even so if, like people are really sick if they're the intervention of what could save them doesn't exist then like someone else actually takes more of a priority who can actually be saved so the triage is extremely interesting but we had like three like super sick patients like lined up that we were going to apply for and they were like actually you know there's this cholera outbreak we need to get these supplies so we're going to do that first and i'm thinking like it would be like if I was at med flight tomorrow and they're like, hey, we have this like septic, whatever, and you know, we're gonna go get <clears throat> go do that one. And then this like massive wreck comes in, this terrible scene flight.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, I'd be like, all right, like, let's go. We're gonna divert. And they're like, no, 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 we just need you to actually go do this one first. Like, that's what it felt like. I'm like, why are we not going to all these sick patients? But then when they were talking about it, explain to me, they're like, dude 60 people in this village died overnight like there were 29 bodies outside the clinic and 30 people that didn't even make it there like we need to get supplies there now and that's how we're going to impact the most human life today oh it's it's a different gosh. world and they do such a good job with it and like i'm i'm speaking not as an experienced haiti air ambulance volunteer i i'm purely just trying to emphasize the awesome work that these guys do every day it, it is so cool to see what oh they're doing my. there.
0: Was that your first trip down there doing that? Or have you done that before?
1: No, that was my first trip down there. Um, so and it was and like, it left a, a last two thing. weeks or three. I was there for just, I was only there for a week of flying. Um, and, and that was it, but it was like every day, like you're, you're out flying all day. And, um, but that's what, and Boston med has been awesome too. Just talking to them about, um, ways that we can help even remotely with education or sim equipment or getting me out there to start talking and kind of spreading the word about because not a lot not a lot of people know that Haiti Air Ambulance exists and it's kind of a unique model where there aren't many places where you can volunteer as a flight provider
0: yeah Um, and that's
1: why they look for that like little bit of experience and to to kind of bet you because they're like you know we're just there's no orientation like we're gonna give you some classes on you know tropical
0: disease pathology and then like there you go um, they're great, man.
1: Good group wow. of people.
0: It's interesting. I got my first thought. I, I guess I went through two things. Like I, I totally get it. You got to have the like, people that have experience to get out there and do that. uh At the same time, I, I want to flip it and be like, if you had somebody that was on an ambulance, it's pretty high speed, and they want to try to get into flight, but they can't because they don't have flight time, they don't have this, they don't have that. Might be a good way to go. But if they can't get in there without that, I don't know. Is there a waiver? Is there a way to work around it? I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure, man,
1: but, the, well, yeah, but, you but, but you're right. I, I mean, That's always the hard thing for paramedics, right? It's just kind of breaking in the door to like, I remember like I'm a, a mountain loving man and like to get in a flight, like I had to go work in Kansas for seven months. It was awful. <laughs> like that was the only place I could get a flight job. I was like, oh God, I'm like, I can't, like I, I talked to Dartmouth. I talked to MedFlight and they're like, well, you don't have any flight experience. I'm like, Well, how am I supposed to get it if you want to hire me? <laughs> so uh, yep. I, yeah, yep. I took a job and uh, I, was, I was in Garden City, Kansas. I just hated my life. I just hated it. <laughs> like, in a four oh seven, you're like doing these like hour and a half long flights. It's like it was awful. And I'm just like trying to go for runs. I'm just sucking in like wheat dust and cow manure. And then it, and I'm like, you know, I'm me. Like I'm a I'm a small runner guy, right? And I'm running around all these fields in my short shorts and my fucking running shirt, and like getting all the looks. I re- I finished this run so. <laughs> One of my like my life goals, right, is to uh, we've we've covered a lot of ground in this podcast. I, I'm
0: like, having a blast, my, man.
1: I... <laughs> so so one of my life goals, right, is to do the the 50 high points to go to by by you know human power to the high point of every state in the U S. Oh, and like nice. by the end of my tenure in Kansas, yeah. So by the end of my tenure in Kansas, it was, like my fiance Sam Jackie, I'm like, look, Jackie, we're never coming to this state ever like we're not like even if we're like going somewhere else and we have a connection through wichita we're paying however much more it is to connect through somewhere else i apologize to all the, the kansas people as well i just not not for me but so i'm like all right i'm gonna figure out what the high point of kansas is so i can just get this done while i'm here for work and i never have to come back it's mount sunflower if you're at like a bar trivia yeah. night you're like, what's the high point mount sunflower it sounds cute right so yeah, yeah. <laughs> i look it's it up really on nice. all trails it's like two and a half it's on the colorado border it's like two and a half hours from our base so I got out of work in the morning. I'm like looking at the the thing on all trails and it was like, described it is a uh, 0.6 miles of hiking to uh, it was 20 feet of elevation gain over this oh like six miles, to the high point of Kansas. Right. So I was like, geez. So I'm like driving out, driving out this fee like, of drone along and I'm like, man, the GPS says I'm really close. And all of a sudden I like pulled up. I'm right there. Like there's no trail. Like it's literally just a sign and it says Mount sunflower and it's like the most dirt. it's like dirt in in wheat everywhere i'm like man i gotta f- do like some sort of physical effort while i'm here to like <laughs> earn this one a little bit so i like, parked my rental car and like ran 10 miles and i'm just like choking on the dust and so i'm, I'm driving back right i'm like all right well here you go mount sunflower tick did it
0: oh my I stop God, at this
1: man. gas station to fill up and like grab a vitamin water and i i go in and i'm wearing my running shorts and just looking you know looking myself And I'm I'm paying at the register, and these two huge farmer dudes just look over at me and go, "From here, are you boy?" And I was like, "Oh my god!"
0: (laughs) I'm like, "I need to get out of here." People really say that? What? (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, "This is a movie. This is a movie." I'm like, "This is how I get killed." I I gotta go. I gotta go. Uh, No, I'm not. I gotta go. I gotta go. I get a phone call. Those women's Patagonia shorts.
1: (laughs) I'm "Ah," I'm like, "Don't hurt me." Wait, you guys are gonna eat me. Oh man. god.
0: <laughs> <laughs> shit. That's
1: it. So Mount Sunflower oh. if you're you're working on your high points.
0: Dude, hilarious. Okay. Duly noted. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. That's so funny. Alright, well let me let oh, me back man. up. Me... <laughs> Alright. We we've covered Gosh. so much yes. of the globe. <laughs> this is this has been so fun. I've had such a blast. Oh, yeah, it's great. It was a blast. We're going to divert real quick to thank our sponsors. Breeze Eastern. For over 80 years, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured battle-proven aerial rescue hoists, winches, and cargo hooks. Each product is carefully crafted to support demanding mission scenarios, ensuring the job gets done safely and efficiently. Visit them today at www.breeze-eastern.com. well, I got, I got back up to Haiti real quick. Cause all right, so see you're down there for a okay. week. You're okay. flying every mm-hmm. day. Um, mm-hmm. do, you, do you have one or two that flights that really stand out to you with uh, either a patient you picked up, mm-hmm. dropped off? I mean, I know you already mentioned a couple, the one that yeah. you probably could have tubed, but you didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what else you got?
1: Yeah. Um, some, As a generalization, a lot of the, um, like, disease pathologies were just so advanced because it was just a delay to definitive care, right? So, like, some super, super sick pregnant patients, which are, like, already can be disastrous. Like, even, like, we do some sick, sick pregnant patients at MedFlight, man. But, like, there – it was hard. Like, you don't have blood products either, which is another challenge. uh, Oh, But they were telling me – yeah, so that was a huge – it was, a, it was a good thing of like brings you back to your roots where like we're lucky at med play. Like you got all the bells and whistles and ultrasound and epochs and all the stuff. And like, you, you know, you're good assessment skills or everything there, but um you know, not having blood products was, was, you know, it, it kind of sucked, right? Cause you're like, I know what they need. Uh, you don't have it. But uh, one of the things they were telling me is um, there's like a big black market Port au Prince called the iron market. And like, you can get anything on this. And one of the agencies just, um, uh, confiscated a bunch of like human blood that was being trafficked in this black market in Haiti. And like 60% of it was HIV positive. Oh no. Wild. I, like they're not giving that in the hospital, but like people like use it. Right. And, uh, it's a huge problem. Right. Um, one of like oh many, God. many problems, but, uh, that was just like kind of an inconceivable thing for me to think about.
0: And, oh my uh, gosh.
1: But so, yeah, you're seeing people, you're seeing people that are generally sicker. Um, and then I think the one that jumped out the most to me, um, we went to a village for, um, and this was, like, in the middle. Like, this was, like, after, um, you know, like, the cholerape. This is one of these patients where, like, all right, we have, like, this patient that's really sick. You have this patient that's really sick. And then this other patient was um, this baby that um, sounded really ill based off of. And they do all the communication via WhatsApp. Um, so, like, they'll be communicating with, like whatever, like doctor or nurse, if there is one, but we're in this like kind of high mountainous village, the medical provider for that village, is this guy named Joel, who literally worked as an orderly in one of the hospitals in Port-au-Prince. And now he is like kind of the honorary doctor of this village and does like an awesome job. Like he, he works with what he has and knows when to call the helicopter. And it makes such an impact for that community. And he had called on WhatsApp and said, I have this baby that's very sick. And she said she was hypoxic and bradycardic, which is like huge, like red flag, you know, all the red flags are pinging there. And um, so we fly out, we fly out to this village. And And it's just like every flight was just so surreal. Like it was so beautiful. And then you like land. And one of the things, one of my favorites, we were like, I think it was the first flight. They were like, all right, like this LZ. we just gotta be careful because the last I the pilots like when I was here a few days ago, noticed there's some new watermelon crop in the L Z and like that's a huge food resource for them, so we don't wanna like squash any of the watermelons. So I'm gonna like bank over this way a little bit, make sure we're not crushing anything. I'm like, this is so far removed from anything that I'm used to. <laughs> <laughs> but so we land in this field right and one of the big parts of this lz brief was they're like hey like there's a lot of livestock We just got to be cautious we might like come in low a little bit make sure they scatter and then and then land and then yeah sure then shit like there's a bunch of cows everywhere so we land and i'm doing hop out of the, the helicopter to you know be to tail guard and um i like look down and i'm just standing in cow shit <laughs> and there's cows everywhere and people are starting to come out and like man i'm like how the hell and like obviously like even i don't care like how experienced of a critical care provider you are like obviously like since flying like i've gotten so much more comfortable with sick kids because you just do it more than like when you're a, a ground medic and you just have more exposure to it but i don't care who you are like you still get the pucker factor when you're going for yeah. a sick kid and like you have your plan out so i just thought it was funny because i'm like man i'm like i have like I know how I'm gonna approach this. Like, if this happens, we're doing this. This happens, we're doing this. And I'm looking down, and there's just like, I'm up to my ankles and this huge fucking pile of cow shit. (laughs) So I'm like, gotta stay focused. (laughs) Sorry. So so we shut down, we're waiting. And um, after a little bit, the um, truck arrives. And you see the mom get out of the truck, and she has um, the baby in her arms. like, the first thing that we noticed from, you know, like 50 feet away is that the kid is just limp in her arms. Cause we were like, cause sometimes it's like, you know, sometimes they call and it's a little bit more over exaggerated than it is. But I like looked at my partner, this um, flight nurse who's from Canada and she it was awesome. And she lives in Haiti. Um, her husband, she married a, a Haitian man and she lives there and works for Haiti Air Ambulance full time. And, um, I was like, that kid looks dead. I was like, I think this is going to kind of be like a full resuscitation. So she walks over and we kind of meet her halfway and, um, probably like gcs five six like not really eye-opening not making sounds um hand, hand us the baby and then it's this thing too right where i described earlier where you have this huge group of people that come out from the village that are there to see the helicopter but also to kind of like watch what you're doing right yeah. so it's like you know trying to you know work through all this stuff with this huge audience around you and so we put her on the the sled on the 407 and we're kind of looking to do an assessment. She's like really dry. And she's also, she's 18 months old and only weighed she was five kilos. So she's like severely malnourished, oh, probably nice. like septic of unknown etiology Her lungs were junky. She wasn't moving much air. So like probably a pneumonia on top of it. Um, like blood sugars reading low. We have like, she's so small and so malnourished. There's no way to get an access in her. So we're um, we're going to drill that. So drill an IO first time drilling an IO and like a baby where I'm standing in kind cub of, I, I kept ending up back in the cow shit. I was <laughs> I'm like, how do I keep doing this? So, and, that, oh, and then it was scary, right? Cause you like drill an IO and this baby that like does have a policy. Like you, and then you flush it and she doesn't move. And we're like, wow, right. right this kid's really, really sick. So
0: oh my we're like not able to get
1: a blood pressure on her. We her some glucose, give her a fluid bolus, give her some antibiotics. And I'm like, look, um, I was like, this kid needs to be intubated. like can we call ahead to to see if we can tube this baby and like she it's most kids You, they're usually respiratory problems and you fix them with fixing that problem like half the time like you bag a kid up you give them like especially with rsv right now like almost like rsv babies that we do at medfly right now it's like a little bit of nasal CPAP and a fluid bolus and they're good as gold but so we we kind of get through comms here like the facility says you absolutely cannot intubate this child like they will not take this baby if you intubate it. i'm like well fuck that i mean that's kind of what this kid means right now to live i'm like i guess we'll you know we'll give her a little bit of positive pressure see and she was actually like really starting to perk up after the fluid and the glucose and um she was able to um you know she started to open her eyes she started crying making noise a little bit and so you know we're trying in the right direction it's like a 35 minute flight to this and we weren't going back to port-au-prince we were going to uh one of the other, uh, facilities in the, um, more, more re- remote. And it's like, well, I so, said, you know, kind of let's, let's get going. We'll keep giving her some fluid and keep those on and kind of work with what you have here. And it was like thinking, I'm like, fuck, I'm like, we're at MedFlight, like would have RSI this kid done, drawn a blood gas, done some good vent settings, like tuned her up. And you're like, all right, she needs to get to the next place and we're not going to accomplish anything else here. We need to keep going. So we got, got mom in the helicopter, get kids secured in the helicopter. We're starting to fly. We got 35 minutes to get to this, um, this facility and do the second fluid bolus. kid's perking up and I'm kind of watching her. Here, stats are kind of shitty. I just put some, um, we have a nasal cannula on her, have a honor breather on her. Heart rate's starting to drop a little bit. And uh, so we start bagging her and she's starting to drop. And I was like saying to the my flight nurse, I was like, look, like, this kid is probably gonna code. It's like there's no, like it acts like a duck, looks like a duck, pro- probably a duck, right? So I just, just butchered that that. Out there. I, I don't know. I've like heard people say that. <laughs> times, I just to I'm, like, oh, I'm like, that's not it. I got halfway through saying that. Oh, no, that wasn't, that was <laughs> whatever. I've seen it a bunch of times. This kid is gonna code. I knew. So I it's weird to right? Because you have mom kind of sitting right there. And um, one of the things that I remember learning in like the Haiti Air Ambulance orientation videos was that if you had a patient that went into cardiac arrest while you were flying, the protocol was if you didn't like you do immediate resuscitation measures, but if those didn't work or if it was a confirmed asystolic arrest, you would turn around and fly them back to where you picked them up from because of the financial burden that it would place upon the family to be able to have to get their body back from where the sending was, and like oh how, my gosh. yeah. So it's like this crazy thing. Like you would never do that here, right? Like you, you either like you call it on scene, or you, you know, if you're in the truck, you go, right? You're already, you're already moving. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? That that logic makes a ton of sense. Well, I didn't think about it, right. It was like, all right, well, like, what if it's a baby, <laughs> right? Like, what are you supposed to like turn around and not work this arrest? So yeah, couple. Couple minutes later, the kid Brady's down, and we had a plan. You know, it's a, an experienced flight crew. I'm like, look, I'm in the left seat, I'll do chest compressions. was already drawn up the Epi. We'll just do a normal PALS code. So Brady's all the way down. I start doing chest compressions, start bagging her, get some Epi into her. We probably were, and, uh, and then we started talking to each other because after like, we were maybe working the arrest for like five minutes. Luckily, it was an 18 month old because you just you can't work and arrest in a 407 on an adult like it does. You oh, just physically right. can't get to where you need to be. But like it's a baby, so you can bring her up, and I can do pediatric chest compressions effectively. Yeah. Um. So we start talking, and we're like, look, like for how long this flight is for this patient? If we bring her all the way here and she dies, now the mom has to figure out how to get her dead baby back, you know, like seven hours driving, if she can figure out how to even do do that, get the transport, right? It, and it's just these like crazy things and like that you wouldn't Gosh. think of normally, like in medicine in the United States. It's like, you know, if I have a kid code on the helicopter tomorrow. It's like you do all the things and you get to Boston Children's and and then they do all their things, right? Right. Not like, oh man, the the baby coded. I guess we should, you know, go back to X Y Z Community Hospital. You imagine like the fit, <laughs> you, like, show back oh, up and you're like, yeah. Sorry, the kid the f- died.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, and the lawsuit that would follow. My
1: right. Jeez. So we're we're working this arrest around, like second round to Epi, and then um like, heart rate starts to come back up. Kid starts opening her eyes. We're still bagging her, but like pretty like reassuring neuro. Um, like it was a witness to rest. You're right on top of it. Um, and like vital signs were starting to be a little bit reassuring. We were like, uh, started just doing some more like push dose epi and mixing epi drip, like doing all this stuff. And, um, we get to the, uh, where we were going to end up at this, like receiving clinic and we didn't know, but they also had a patient that they were going to send with us to go to another hospital when we dropped off. So we land right with this like post arrest, 18 month old. In this field, you're like, the two-minute shutdown in the 407 that time might as well have felt like it was two hours. You're just like waiting, like, all right, come on, let's go, let's go. So, like, the the ambulance, not the ambulance, but it's like a van that had a striker stretcher ratchet-strapped to the floorboard of it that was, like, going to come pick us up um, oh my wasn't there yet. So we're like, all right, like, you're still just, like, kind of waiting. And then you're telling the pilot, we're like, hey, man, like, we need you to stay hot because we need the O's going through the main here. Cause we we're not going to have enough on this portable. It was like all these like crazy, crazy logistics. So he's saying, oh, we finally see the ambulance he shuts down. And um, <clears throat> we're going to like my partner, like had the baby in her arms. I'm holding all the other stuff. We're still bagging her. And we go to kind of open the doors of this van and there's another patient in it. Who's this like super sick adult that was having um, like tetanus seizures right and not something that you oh. normally usually see here and we're like well shit like and since we're not in port-au-prince we're like all right we're i mean we're going to the receiving with this baby like she is so sick she needs both of us to to kind of work through this and i i, I was thinking about it too retrospectively i'm like that would have been an awful awful feeling to have if like we landed in port-au-prince with this baby because i'm like for my personal safety i would not have gone to the hospital but you wouldn't have felt all that great about just kind of you know putting her in a, a van and sending her on our way without critical care yeah so whatever you like kind of t- i take a quick look at the adult and we're like all right like let's kind of get him off onto the ground get him in the helicopter get the baby in the van and my partner's just like sitting on the seat of the van bagging the baby we're just pushing epi and we get to this clinic and um it's kind of like you know when you have those like shitty calls and you're like thank god i'm at the hospital like because we're like at the end of like what our capability is here and Even like in critical care, it's like, thank God that was just like such a long transport and you're like using all your mental bandwidth. And um, we get there and the doctor's like, you can't come inside. We're like, what What do you mean we can't come inside? We're like, we're bagging an 18 month old. And um, we're like, she was arrested. We have ROSC, we have reassuring neuro, like vital signs are actually pretty rock solid. She just needs some ventilation support. And um, they are like, there was an issue with um, like the transfer paperwork and this kid's too sick and we don't have any room here. And my partner spoke Creole, but Creole is one of those really interesting languages where, like, depending on how much French people um, like in- interject into it, it can change everything completely. So we end up having this like huge language barrier because she's speaking a lot of French in the Creole, and my partner couldn't understand it as much. So like now you're trying to like work through like translation and WhatsApp, and we're calling our comms. You're like, dude, we're standing outside here. It's like a billion degrees out. and We're bagging a kid on our portable, pushing Epi, and we can't get inside. So finally they they like let us inside and um the like the capabilities it's not like you walk into boston children's right right right, they like they cleared a bed for us and you like put the baby down they're like wheeling over a portable vital signs machine like there's no pumps they're like trying to get an oxygen tank and we're like all right well like we have all these drugs left over that we open and can't reuse like here's all the dextrose here's the rest of our epi and I'm, like, looking at this guy, I'm, like, do you, like, are you comfortable, like, using this BVM and ventilating a child? And, you know, trying to give him that. And I'm, like, looking at my partner, I'm, like, we're going to leave and this kid's just going to die. And it's such a weird feeling, man, like, especially being used to all the resources. Like, you get to Boston Children's and it's, like, th- there's 8 million doctors there and they're ready to take over and they do all the stuff. And um, But it's it's a strange feeling <clears throat> dropping a child off and, like, knowing that. You're like, actually, I think we, we were the kind of higher level of care. And I have to like kind of be de- delicate about that. And it's not that we were the higher level of care. We had more resources available to us. It is Understood. It is. Yep. yep. Right. Yep. Um, because the, the teams there care immensely. About what they do, and that's why, like, I hate sometimes when like critical care teams like shit on like community hospitals or stuff like that. I'm like, look, like they're doing the best with what they have. It's like they people don't go to work and are like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, kill this guy today because of X, Y, Z reasons. It's, like, no, 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 like they're doing the best with what they can, and oftentimes they care a lot more than you do going there because it's their community that they're trying to help. So like, don't don't yeah. shit on them for what they're doing. Um, but it, it's a shitty feeling, man, because we're like. It we got to the point where I'm physically, I'm like, we just have to walk out the room and there, you know that there's nothing that we can do about this. And then we went back to that hospital the next day, dropping a patient. And then we had to do go fly, this tetanus guy. So you're like, you do the thing, you like, get back, like load this guy, do all the stuff on him, fly back. It was, it was nuts. So and then we ended up flying back there the next day and they're like, oh yeah, the kid died like, you know, an hour later or whatever. And, and it just sucks. I'm like, if we were somewhere else that had resources, that kid had you know, fixable problems. Um, and it's no fault to that medical team or that doctor or anything else. The most frustrating part about all of it is just the lack of resources. And I just wish that yeah. we could like take a, a fraction of what we have here and just give it to them. Um, yeah. And that's what I wanna work wow. on now. Like, that's what I'm like talking to MedFlight about. I'm like, how do we get stuff there? Like, how do we, and I talked to Haiti Air Ambulance, I'm like, look, I'm like, we have a ton of resources in Boston. I'm like, how, how can we help you guys without physically being like, my fiance is not, or my mom are not going to let me go back to Haiti in the near, <laughs> in the near future. Like, if I couldn't be there, I'm like, how do I help? How do I use my network to, to help you guys? Because like, it makes you frustrated when you come back. Like I worked like two or three days later and you're like walking into Mass General or the Brigham and there's like a million fucking things for everything yeah. that people are just throwing out. And, um, you know, it's not that you can't be upset for having things, right? But there has to be a level right. of awareness for what others don't. <clears throat> and um, yeah, and we can help. Like, there, there are lots of ways. And um, I just give so much credit to the the providers that are working there every day and just doing the best they can with what they have and, and, and really doing amazing work.
0: Wow. You got to take a deep breath on that one for sure. Jeez. I mean, good for you for volunteering to go down there. I'm sorry that uh, you have to... Like, even deal with something like that. That's tough for sure.
1: I th- i think it's good for perspective. Like, I think it, it's really good. It makes you, like, makes you really think about kind of some of the things that you, you it's a good reality check when you're like, this is yeah. this morning when I'm like waking up to, you know, driving to Boston at <laughs> like 5 a.m. Like, man, fuck this. Like, this is awful. <laughs> and then, like, nope, but uh, no, it's not. Like, I have a, no, it's not. A, a great place, a great job, a great life. Like, I, gotta be grateful um and it's good to have that perspective and and important to try to use your resources to help with what you can
0: exactly exactly Mm -hmm. Bobby. that's good stuff man all right i'll I'll tell you what dude you and i have been on for over two hours right now we're crushing it
1: wild
0: (laughs) for you man right oh no it's great i'm having a blast I've, i've loved every bit of this uh before I let you go, I am going to ask you one more question. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's funny because I read through some of the stuff that you wrote, um, which was nice because I had an idea of, of what we're going to talk about. So it was cool. But one of them, I, and this is all going to come from advice. I want, I want you to give advice from everything you've lived through and everything you've done. And one of the funny things, funny slash, I was like, oh, interesting. And you talked about it a little bit earlier, but – uh, advice you you actually said you're not much of a macho military man. You're a mountain running clinical care nerd. Like, come on, man. I I and I understand exactly what you're saying, but I I'm not a clinical care paramedic. I'm I'm not at your level, dude. The, the stuff you're doing is is incredible. So. Like, and i and i want to say this to everybody don't cut yourself short it just so happens there are certain guys and certain girls in the right spot at the right time when the certain alarm goes off mm-hmm. and that's the way you went
1: yeah i, I think it was just funny man because it was after like you sent me the email and you're like hey i'm a friend of brad blah blah, blah and i was like oh that's pretty cool and so i was like i should listen to a podcast and i listened to the first one i listened to was that one with your buddy claude and you're talking about all these rescue stories, and like, I'm jumping out in the, the shipwreck. It's the middle of the night, and caught in this fishing net. And I'm like, "Oh fuck!" I'm like, "I've done nothing." <laughs> God damn! I'm like, that is some badass stuff. Dude, but it's I haven't even
0: done what Claude's done. I mean, Claude <laughs> doesn't—you can't make yeah. like comparisons. <laughs>
1: When he was talking about like walking into the hospital like covered in covered in oil and the nurse is trying to strip down go in the shower. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I can envision that. Like, that's not personally, like I'm not that badass, but like, I didn't see that happen.
0: Uh. <laughs> that's a
1: yeah, like, cool dude. But no, you're right. Like everyone has different different stuff to offer right? it's important, but important yeah, it, to work collaboratively and it's huge.
0: Yeah, very much so. And, and like I said, I mean I appreciate you coming on and telling some stories and I mean, again, 15 years old. And then some dude at a Marriott Hotel. Like two (laughs) two people are walking around right now because of you. That's amazing. What you just did in Haiti is amazing. And everything else in between, all of your running and all the inspiration, people you talk to, this is incredible. Mm -hmm. Like you're reaching so many lives at so many different spots. It's, It's awesome. And I love it. And I appreciate you coming on and telling the stories. So thank you.
1: I appreciate that. I appreciate the, the platform and the opportunity.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely. So the next one uh, we talked about a little bit, but other advice you mentioned, one of them, mental health. Is there anything else you want to touch on that? I know we talked about it a lot, um, all about it, but.
1: We, yeah, we, we talked about it a lot, but I think like you're saying earlier, you just can't emphasize it enough that to when you feel like you're going through something, please, please, please ask for help seek resources don't sit on it 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 is not going to get better on its own or or giving it time without intervening on it there's a lot of people that care and it's so nice to like i remember you know my dad was in the fire service through the 70s and he was very much from the era of you know men men don't have feelings and you just push it away and do the next thing and if you if you you know are are struggling with that then you're a little bitch and you shouldn't be doing it anyway (laughs) but that's such bullshit man like that's not a way to live um like you look back about, you know, how many people's careers or lives were ended because of that mentality? Like, you know, I'm sure you, know, you and certainly myself have had people in their lives that have died by suicide that were first responders or military. And it happens far too often and similar to Haiti, you know, but here, this is a fixable problem. You know, there there are so many resources out there and so many people that care. So don't think that you're too strong or too much of a, a macho military man. I know I'm not, man, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, every, everyone deals with mental health and it's important to recognize that and deal with it appropriately. And um, your family and your friends will appreciate you very much for seeking those resources.
0: I like it. Appreciate that one. All right. I know you have one more thing that is a, a it's close to your heart as far as uh, uh, getting I see, trained. I you <laughs> You're good at this. If you,
1: I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you know how to do CPR, but I encourage you and implore you to have your friends, family, whoever you see in the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru. Dunkin' Donuts, because it's Boston, right? Get, you got to get your Dunkin' guy. Baby.
0: Yeah, we got to go to Dunkins.
1: Take a CPR class. It is so readily available. It's so accessible. It's easy to do because... When we go and pick up these post arrest patients in the helicopter, the defining variable of whether people walk out of that hospital, however long later is whether or not they had early bystander CPR. It's not the ambulance or the fire guys or the cops or certainly not the helicopter. It takes us a a minute. You know, we have the goal of a 10 minute launch time. Hopefully you guys, what was your launch time requirement in the coast guard?
0: Uh, I think it was uh, 15
1: during the day, 30 at night.
0: Yeah. And and there was a caveat to that because it would depend on fuel. So if you had to add fuel, there was a, there was a variable. So, but mm-hmm. yeah, ideally fifteen thirty. So, I mean, it just highlights, it takes a long time for first
1: responders to get to the scene of a cardiac arrest. The people yeah. who are witnessing that are, you know, the school teacher doing her grocery shopping or, you know, the, the mechanic, you know, walking in the shop who sees the person collapse and initiates those chest compressions. And that's the one thing that the AHA can be like, no, this, this makes a difference. High quality early chest compressions and early defibrillation. AEDs are everywhere. Mostly everyone has two hands. Use them. Learn how to do it. It will impact so much human life. And if we all know how to do it, that's more lives saved.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful.
1: And what song works the best for it? So, Staying Alive is the classic one, right? and then there's the yep. morbid, another one bites the dust, but there's, I forget the website, someone, uh,
0: a, 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 I use that joke all the time. You ain't it's, gonna start uh, with staying alive until they yeah. die. And then you go to another yeah. one bites yeah. the yeah. dust. After, after like the fourth
1: rhythm check, you switch your song. <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> there are so many people right now that are laughing and there are so many people like, oh, something wrong with you guys, man. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Dude, there's um there's a website i'll have to, I'll have to look back in my notes a, a paramedic student that i was precepting a couple years ago there is a website that you can put in like different uh like songs to get whatever that beat will be so it's like one yeah 100 beat's,
0: beats a is. minute it's, it's yeah specific, then yeah. you can like
1: find all the songs that are that so like, you can you know work it out for yourself oh that's great uh, there's you get, that like option. a playlist
0: going on yeah <laughs>
1: That'd be funny if like, maybe I'll, I'll suggest that It like brief tomorrow. really, I mean, you know, like, doing, like the weather check and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. We should do a rotational song for CPR cadence and add that to the safety topic of the day book. So you have your safety topic of the day. You have your, your CPR song
0: of the day. Oh, man, you starting to code. What song are we on today? This one, that, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's funny, man. Oh, that's hilarious. Damn, man! Hey, well, so Bobby. People remember, that. people remember. Oh yeah, that. absolutely, very much so, very much so. Yeah, always fall back on it. God, it's so funny. Bobby, I have had an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time and all as much time as we've taken to talk about everything you're doing and everything you've done. It's it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I look forward to meeting you in Boston. I am going to look you up as soon as I get there. I promise.
1: Sounds great, man. Looking forward to it. Get some right wicked on. good beers.
0: Wicked good. It's gonna be awesome. I can't wait to get to the bath. Oh, it's gonna be sick. It's good.
1: <laughs> right, thanks man. You I really, really hard. appreciate it.
0: Anytime, my pleasure. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Go. Now, it's time for me to pull chocks and take off. But before I go, I'm always looking for the memorable rescues that people have done. If you have one that you're willing to share, or know somebody who has a story, please feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to highlight it here at The Real Rescue. For everybody that is standing by for that SAR alarm, remember, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. So until next time, fly safe and swim hard. Thank you for joining me today here at The Real Rescue Podcast, powered by Vertical Helicast. We'd also like to say thank you to our sponsors for this episode. Breeze Eastern. For over 80 years, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured battle-proven aerial rescue hoists, winches, and cargo hooks. Each product is carefully crafted to support demanding mission scenarios, ensuring the job gets done safely and efficiently. Visit them today at www.breeze-eastern.com. You guys like pumpkin. I like pumpkin. Yep. Oh, oh, oh. Are amazing. I love the holidays. Pumpkin. I love pumpkin.